everyone, and welcome to the first episode of the Cross-Border Interview Podcast's Municipal Week. I'm your host, as always, Christopher Brown. Today's guest is the Mayor of Wabaman, Alberta, Her Worship, Charlene Smiley. Charlene and I sit down and we talk about Wobbeman and everything that is Wobbeman. We talk about the future, the past, and how she became mayor. So sit back, relax, and enjoy Cross Border Interviews Municipal Week featuring Her Worship, Charlene Smiley. Uh, first off, uh, Your Worship, I, I will call you that for the first time, and then it will be Charlene from that, but Your Worship, thank you very much for doing this. Thanks for sitting down with me. I know you have a busy schedule with uh, what month it is right now, but thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Thank you for coming to visit out in Wobbeman. Well, it, the very first moment when I drove in, first I saw the big giant dra- dragonfly, had to stop and get the obligatory roadside attraction dragonfly, and I will admit that two of your residents came up to me and said, would you like a photo in front of it? So they were nice enough to... Like, oh, take time out of their walking schedule and come take their photo. So it was a very inviting uh, moment once I came into the community. Oh, that's great to hear. <laughs> so uh, usually, first question I always ask politicians or former politicians is, where does your sense of duty come from? Hmm. That's a really good question. I never really <laughs> thought of that. I think there's always been a part of me that's been really engaged. Um, have always volunteered been members of boards and I've always been a political watcher uh, so I just thought maybe just a da- natural progression that to throw my name in the ring and uh, and to serve your community and there's lots of different ways you can do that whether it's volunteering or just being there and, par- and participating in your community or, or running for council or public office so that happened in 2013 2013 2013 you decide to put your name into the ring mm-hmm. um, municipal politics is the first line of politics that everyday residents see. They're the ones that deal with the water. They're the ones that deal with the roads. They're the ones that deal with the snow removal. So why municipal politics for yourself? One thing I do like about municipal politics is that it's nonpartisan. And I've always been firmly seated in the center. I've never belonged to a political party. Um, I guess I like pieces of both. So I didn't know where to hitch my wagon. The best thing about municipal politics is you're just doing... Uh, making the decisions for the best of the entire community and just you're just a part of the community and you know serving uh, to you know the closest level to the people so why thir- why 2013 why then what was what was happening in this town that you thought you know what my voice needs to be on the council mm-hmm. this time because it's you can always decide 10 years from now four years from now mm-hmm. two years prior or whenever but why 2013 for you yeah, I think I was still fairly new to the community. Uh, my uh, youngest was just two years old, so I wasn't. And I had when I moved out here, I didn't. I wasn't working to get home with my family, and I had started working. Uh, a friend of mine uh, owns the liquor store in town, and I thought I want to spend some more time with adults. So I started working there about once or twice a month just to have adult conversations on occasion. When you spend a lot of time with toddlers, it's really nice. <laughs> and so I think that was it was an interesting place to work because you got to meet like a lot of people in the community and had some great conversations with the locals and uh, just being a new young mom I wanted to see more young people 
um, I guess I'm not that young, but uh, yeah, you know, more um, parents and, and women to be part of the leadership in the village. And at the time, I really wanted to see the speed limits lowered in town. <laughs> there uh, we go. That's <laughs> the issue. There so I think we... that was the first thing that I really, and I started attending council meetings and I thought, well, what the heck, I'll throw my name in. Um, not really thinking I had much of a, a chance because I was so new to town. And, uh, and then I got uh, out of 12 people ran uh, for the five seats that were available that year. It was, and there was quite a large public forum. I think we had 100 people at the forum um, when we were all put on the hot seat. And I ended up getting the second most uh, amounts of votes that time. And that's, that's surprising to me. You, you mentioned something there that uh, blows my mind. Your community of Wallaman has a has a large turnout during municipal elections, mm-hmm. but also you have a good engagement with your residents. What do you chalk that up to? I'm not sure. It's always been, since I've been here, it's been like that. Um, the first time I ran, we had um, more, I think about 75% of the population actually voted, which is amazing. I don't think there's a single municipality that has ever had that high a turnout. Um, and I find that people are, are very engaged. We have a lot of volunteerism, um, a lot of attendance at council meetings, even even on the slower months when there's nothing controversial on the agenda, we'll still have a handful of people here that like to see what's going on. So you have a community that is, like I said, engaging. Um, as mayor, how do you balance work life to family life? Because that's the big thing about uh, municipal politics that uh, residents might not always see. They might see your mayor, your worship, your, if you're at the grocery store, I'm going to stop you and talk about uh, road cleaning. I'm going to stop to talk to you about my taxes this week. How do you balance that work life to say, okay, I need to put my mayor hat on now, but I need to put on my mom hat to look after your two boys now? Mm, I think it's always a challenge. Um, I think I've always been able to say, okay, I'm going to put my parent hat on now. I was just speaking to the the principal of our school, and we have a he's great. We have an awesome K to nine school in town, and I'm always very clear, like, okay, I'm going to put my mom hat on now, and to, to talk about you know things that parents would care about, and then sometimes I say, okay, I got my mayor hat on, and as mayor, you know, how can I you know help the school or what initiatives are we working on together? Yeah. So let's just talk about that election of 2017 when you became mayor, because you were a councillor in 2013, you ran for council in 2013, you were elected as a councillor, you put forward your name to be mayor. Well, actually, it's a little bit different in a small town. Okay. Um, So everybody's elected at large. Okay. And then the mayor is appointed uh, from within council. Okay. So then I became mayor, so it's 2013, and uh, the mayor at the day had to step down, had resigned, and we ended up... And then you get nominated so that I was the following organizational meeting that one of my fellow counselors put my name forward. And and then I was nominated to, to be the mayor. Okay. Actually, there were two of us that were. And then... Um, there was a vote. And, and there was a vote. I didn't realize that municipalities still do mm. that. I know some mm. counties do that, but I didn't know that t- municipalities yeah. do that. I always looked at... I always thought it was a good thing, um, even for maybe a larger town. I mean, not a huge town, but a larger town. Because you're always accountable to your council. So then you you're less likely to get a rogue mayor because they can. Uh, hey, I got elected pull, by pull you down yep. uh, at any time. Yeah. 
And when you have a small town, there's only so many people that run. So then this way, the best five people get elected. Um, and then if you have a small town and you have the three of the best candidates, for example, might run for mayor, and then only one of them gets in on council. And this way, you still get the best five. The best of the best. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> um, so since putting on the mayor hat, what's the biggest issue facing your residents today? Hmm. Or since you've been elected, since you've been elected by council to be mayor? I think the, the whole, uh, the fa- the cool phase out has always been a, is probably the, the one thing that has had the largest effect. The power plant that was in town came down and uh, started being decommissioned about 2010. And so in 2011, it left a huge hole in our, our tax base, about half of our revenue was coming from um, the, the site, the plant site over there. And and then further down the road, the uh, the further acceleration of the coal phase out. I guess that was 2015, yep. 2016 around there. I think 2016. And so then, when our power plant closed down, a lot of our our residents um, were able to find work at the plants and the mines across the lake. So then everybody was most people kept working, um, and then it was just a big. It was still a big important industry to our whole community. So that I think as going through all of that, you know, was difficult and challenging for our residents and it continues to be challenging um, and we all advocated like myself along with several other coal affected communities we came together and advocated um, for supports for coal workers and for coal communities so when that closed down in uh, 2010 2010 mm-hmm. no, roughly 2010 um, you have just moved to the community if I'm not mistaken mm-hmm. and you're elected three years later how do you ensure that Wobbeman doesn't become a desolate town at that time because that's the biggest concern for any mayor or any council Mm -hmm. when a major industry like that leaves how do you ensure that you will survive and thrive even though that that's being phased out that's a a great question I think Wobbeman has a lot more going for it Um, that we have a lot of opportunity here Um, we're less than an hour from Edmonton on a major highway Uh, it's community there's a lot of folks when we first moved out here my spouse was commuting back and forth to Edmonton it's it's a great place a small debt to grow up and raise a family a small town affordable housing um, prices and not to mention that you know a lake and great wildlife and a provincial park right next door there's a lot of things I think transitioning to a tourism based economy was a no-brainer especially since we have no industrial land to develop currently so that, I think that became council's focus of that day and then we did some extensive of strategic planning as well with the community and that did come out as well like that's just a good we have tourism we have a lot of great I think I just counted we had 24 storefront businesses in our town and we have wow. less than seven, 700 people here um, so we've always been a service area and we have a high tourism traffic so just building on on the things that we already have, um, the lake, the tourism, the great shops. And I think we were always just this hidden gem that a lot of people didn't know about. We were just a cool town. No one thought of going to the town, the village of Wabaman to spend the afternoon to sit on the beach or to go for ice cream or go to an art gallery. And just realizing that, that that's where we can be. And people could come out here for day trips. You know, we have ho- really nice hotels here where people can spend the night. And so, then camping sites and so all how that do too. You, how do you, uh, how do you market your community to other people because you like you said it's a destination for the surrounding feeder communities who are going to come mm-hmm. into Wobbeman for shopping but uh, 
with Jasper, and I hate mm. to say it, but Jasper, an hour and a half almost. I'm not sure exactly the time frame. It's a few hours. Okay, two, yeah. three hours. Okay, it's a few hours on the other side. Yeah. Um, you have Edmonton. How do you make Wobbleman stand out? Because, yet again, uh, as a former, uh, as a guy who enjoys roadside attractions, I love big world's largest so the moment I drove in I said world's largest dragonfly holy crap I need to take a photo of this so I stopped and took a photo like I said um, but how do you market it to the people who might be going to Jasper or might be going to Edmonton and saying you know what we have all the amenities here so stop in and see us we, I think we started to be a little bit more targeted as well I started advertising in like the hot summer guide and I'm targeting like the Edmonton audience because we are a day trip I mean, you know, driving out to Jasper for the day, for example, it's a really long day um, if, you, if you're not staying overnight. Yeah. So um, for Wabaman, you can just pop out here for a few hours. Um, so we started advertising. We joined a, re- a regional economic development alliance. So working with other small communities and, and counties in the region and working together uh, to, to produce, uh, um, you know, to help build our tourism brand. It's Wild Alberta. Um, so we have travel guides and working on a few different. And uh, do you think that's where your resident have seen the increase of tourism and like you said you have 24 storefront businesses in this town so we need to start the small businesses the mom and pa shops Mm -hmm. so that way when people come here we can uh, A help the community but A B help ourselves as well and still stay in Wildman I think as, as things evolved and, and, you know, some of the shops that came in, so we have some store owners and shop owners or hotel owners that um, are quite active on social media. And I think nowadays, especially young people, they're looking for experiences and, and they're on and they're online and they're on social media and they're looking at Instagram and they're looking at, uh, you know, Facebook and Twitter. So increasing our our presence on, on those places, but I think having really fantastic shops and markets and galleries here that uh, well, that, that, <laughs> that they themselves are helping to, to draw um, people in. Exactly, and you just touched on a subject that I want to ask about. Wobbleman has an art gallery. Mm-hmm. 700 people, less than 700 people, and you have an art gallery. That's unheard of in today's age. Well, and it's an art gallery that just displays local um, and Albertan and Canadian artists. So I'm, almost everything in there is from um, the province, which is the kind of art gallery I would expect to see in the mountain parks. And they are hard to find. Yep. So Wobbleman has a lot of the local, like there's a lot of artists in the area. We have a lot of musicians. We have a lot of, you know, painters and photographers that live in the area. And I think once uh, the gallery was open, they started to come out of the woodwork. And then there's quite a few artists from the Edmonton area too that spend a lot of time here and have done some of our murals. So how do you, are you as mayor, are you actively in this council, are you guys trying to actively di- to di- diverse, diversify the economy? Because you've gone from one major industry to not having that industry so you now have to diversify into hey, let's help that art gallery who wants to open up here. Let's help that pizza shop that wants to open up. Let's help the gas station open up. So are you trying to actively diversify while trying to maintain that small town feel. Mm-hmm. I think that's exactly it. We've been, always been actively trying to recruit uh, businesses and have reached out. Um, I'm not sh- 
shy of the fact that I would try to attract a brewery to town uh, for quite some time now because I think it's just a perfect fit. Yeah. Um, after our waterfront development is complete, which uh, uh, waterfront development takes time, especially when it's a brownfield redevelopment. Anyway, I think that would be an ideal location. So I, there's a lot of people in the region that see Wabaman and and they're looking from the outside and, and really see the potential here. So I always think of when I think of Wabaman, and of course I'm worried about the things of today, the you know the the pothole that hasn't been fixed or the you know the streets that need to get plowed. I hear we might be doing that this weekend. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, you know, so the day to day stuff is important. That's more operational. So I think good governance means um, looking to the future and where you want to see your community in in, in 20, 30, or 50 years. And when I see Wabaman in the future, I see it being uh, you know just a little hub of 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 activity and you know the little the little village where you can just come and go shopping or, or sit on the beach enjoy the lakes the lake is still very clean for being this close to Edmonton and you know Alberta Lakes it's been a challenging challenging time for Alberta Lakes um so ours is still pretty it's still pretty clean which I didn't realize that Wabaman actually means crystal glass or seeing glass? A, a mirror. Mirror and, glass. And Cree. Yes. And when I went down to the lake, I was very surprised because, yet again, I used to live up in Slave Lake, so when we went to the water, sometimes you would see the bottom, sometimes you wouldn't, right? Mm-hmm. Depending on which location you were in. So when I went down to the marina, I was like, holy, I can see the bottom. Even with the ice that was on it, it was still a beautiful lake and just the atmosphere down there. Mm-hmm. So um, when has that area, the marina, always been developed like that? Or has that been something that's been recently developed? Because you have a washroom down there, you have a spray park, you have... Oh, uh, yeah. Pro- well, so the marina, the marina is a privately owned uh, entity. So they have been um, upgrading. They've uh, added boat slips. They've been up, they have an RV park as well. So they've been upgrading that part. But the waterfront park has been there for a while. We've done some upgrades. We got an ACP grant a few years ago and our park parkland county our neighbors um, contributed it to it as well because they're their residents also make use of our boat launch um so had a lot of official boat launches around uh this lake um and so they they pitched in to remember exactly how much my cao is better with the numbers um but they pitched in as well and so we we built the new washrooms the washrooms there were quite they needed to be renovated and we uh you know and we had to fix the uh the pier it took a lot of <coughs> ice damage okay. uh, one year after interesting when the power plant was still on the village or in the village and the outlet and t- inlet canals yep. um there was actually warm water like back back in the day before there was a, the regulations changed so our lake never fully freeze froze over oh, for wow. decades so there's actually photos in the museum of the uh, of a fellow like ice fishing with a guy on on skiing water skiing behind him because you could do both things in the winter. Oh jeez! <laughs> uh, so our our pier was it was doing great, and then when that stopped happening, it took a lot of ice damage. We had to do some repairs. So that was a big chunk of the of the grant went to that, which is something you don't even realize because it all happened under the pier. But we we put new we resurfaced it. We put like lights up. Um, 
and you know fixed some of the parking and added some power for vendor power so we started the vendors started to come as well as we've been growing our festival season that's what i was about to ask next because there is a big festival that happens down there and i'm not sure the name of it and it, I, I don't want to say it's the dragonfly yep. uh, like the is. dragonfly festival okay it is okay that's what i didn't know because there was another one that kiss or rock a rock yeah, concert uh, there was up 99.3 yes. used to come on the third day and we actually ended up moving we had the dragonfly festival and we're trying to Excuse me. No worries. Um, so, uh, if you can, take me through the Dragonfly Festival because I, a, I didn't realize that there was a municipality in Alberta mm-hmm. that claimed to fame was Dragonfly. So, where did that come from and how did the Dragonfly Festival come about and why is it still active? Yeah, well, the Dragonfly is, I remember the first year I moved here, so that would have been 2010 or 2011. And I'm not sure exactly, I don't know a whole bunch about okay. Dragonflies. Yeah. Um, but it's really, at some time in June, I remember I was just, it was my, my child's birthday, and I had a bunch of folks in the backyard. And also we looked around, and there was hundreds and hundreds of dragonflies. We're just surrounded. It wow. was just amazing. Dragonflies do eat mosquitoes, so we have a lot of those too. But at least we have dragonflies that come and, and gobble them all up for us. So they're really interesting insects. I'm not really sure why Wobbleman has so many of them. And I notice it ebbs and flows. Like some years we'll have more than other years. So I'm not sure if... So, so the marketing around that was perfect, though, because A, you've put a big giant dragonfly, mm-hmm. it's getting people in off the road, and B, you now have the Dragonfly Festival. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm not sure they rebranded that, um, I think it was about the 100th anniversary. It's okay. maybe about the same time we moved here, when so we were looking for houses. 2012? Because you went through a bit of a, yeah. uh, well, we went through a bit of a decommission slash commission because mm. in the 1980s you recommissioned as a town if I'm not mistaken um, yeah so we were a village and then a hamlet and then a village I think it was in 1980 okay. but I think they still celebrated their 100th and I can't remember the exact date but I think it was the year that we started looking for houses out here Okay. and it just so happened we were camping and I was like oh let's go look at this there's a town over there and ended up coming during the festival and the parade and I thought wow this town's really cute like all the all the streets were paved it was tidy it was clean there's a cute little parade and some kids activities and so we just really fell in love with the town that weekend and started looking at houses here and probably about a month later dragonfly festival has happened every year since i'm mm-hmm. assuming and it's grown it's grown quite a bit so we started off people kind of coming slow. from edmonton from mm-hmm. far away to, to the dragonfly it's, festival it's very busy and i think when the radio station was doing their upfest yep. um that was really helpful and I, I think it was almost we were above capacity there was nowhere to park uh, when there was about <laughs> ten thousand people at waterfront park oh wow so if you could just picture that and Ooh. where people parked so it was kind of it was interesting <laughs> I could imagine because it was, was, it was the, very busy. Yeah. 10,000 people in that area would be that those washrooms probably got pretty used pretty mm, quickly. There's a, a definitely extra porta potties. Yeah. yeah. And food trucks. But, uh, so we've also started in the meantime, I started, uh, I think, and I started this and I, you know, talked to some of the staff in town as well. Let's, I'm going to go and try to find some funding. Let's start uh, our Friday night jamboree because we do fireworks over the lake yep. Friday nights. Every Friday night? Um, no, just during the Dragonfly Festival. Okay. Yeah. I was like, really? Yeah, you like don't Niagara have the Falls? budget. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We still have a tight budget. <laughs> 
uh, I think we started the first year was just uh, uh, there's a nice fellow that a member of the senior society. Yep. Super helpful guy. Borrowed the flat his flatbed truck and asked a couple of locals to come play for free and had a really awful little stereo system set up. That was the first year. And then the next year, you know, we got a little of a big, bigger budget and got a decent stage with like a tent and still uh, called in some favors for friends to play for cheap. And then um, three years ago, we added beer gardens, okay, which helped offset some of the costs. Uh, but it was just, it was growing so fast. So I, now I've brought in a, a nonprofit group that's been running uh, that. And then I just volunteer with them. So, cause I like the, I like the setup and the planning part. Do you see it as one of, one of, if not the staples of Wobbleman? Absolutely. And that was one thing that came up during strategic planning and something that council's been talking about was to have more festivals. You know, just one weekend um, isn't enough, you know, to have activities. So people are camping at the the park or they're sitting in Edmonton, like, what do you want to do today? Well, let's just go to Wabamink because we know something's going on there. Yeah. And the waterfront park is always busy. But I mean, that doesn't mean that we can't add add other activities. So the Dragonfly Festival too, the addition of the Art Walk, which is um, just as big as some of the ones in the cities the bigger towns and uh, when you meet the gallery lady later today yes. too, I'm sure she'll tell you all about it so that's quite large we have a car show um, kids activities of some sort there's some different ones um, our local liquor store does a craft beer and oh, wow. um, tasting event as well and you have residents who come out to all these mm-hmm. well the residents most of the residents are volunteering oh I guess so yeah <laughs> it's quite the undertaking <laughs> and with a small community is there not fatigue oh I think in any community there's definitely volunteer uh, fatigue yes it's like anywhere else the same same 10 people so you always have the same <laughs> handful of people that are making everything happen and um, but trying to draw in so more how people does, how does council recognize that how does how does council recognize that you know what there is fatigue in there and those 10 that are the gung-ho we want to help out we want to make this a great place to live work and play how do you recognize those people well we do have a volunteer recognition event. Uh, we have an FCSS uh, department and staff um, that work in a, a board uh, that works on the volunteer appreciation part of it. I think there's always ways you can improve that. But I think all of council does volunteer as well. So, you know, we're out there, um, but always trying to figure out ways we can do that. And budgets are always tight. Um, so I've been look, trying to look at grants to see if we can get more paid staff for at least some of the planning and you know, we do pay for an event planner for the uh, Dragonfly Festival and uh, so we'll have to look at that okay. as well how we can kind of help offset some of that that pressure you know the Communities in Bloom for example is an excellent example of the amazing work that they did we competed nationally okay. and uh, got a, a silver I believe and we were like the we won the provincial one the year before Wow! and so it's a very small group of people that are out there and they're weeding and they're watering the flowers all day and just try to you know keep them going but recognizing that you know they're going to need some more help help you yeah because it's almost a full-time job in the summer for them for all the work that they do yeah and looking at ways but we, we really appreciate what they do but they also give us excellent feedback so that when they give us the list of okay these are the things we need and then we look at them and we try our best to so budgetize the items mm-hmm. and give like, them what do we need to clean up and what yeah. things do we need to add and so um, I want to touch on a subject that while you weren't here for, and I think you 
kind of have an idea where I'm going with this. 2005, major spill happens in this area. Oil, if I'm not mistaken, I don't know the full details, and you might be able to fill in the blanks here. Uh, oil's being transported by rail, spills into the lake. Are you still seeing the ramifications from that today? No. Um, now, Wabamid Lake is the most tested lake in Alberta. Um, so it has gotten its clean bill of health. So. Okay. Yeah. I'm from Alberta Environment. Um, I haven't really heard anything more, uh, more about that. But with the... Um Issues that are going around in the oil and gas industry right now. Um, there's a lot more transport of mm-hmm. oil on rail. You have a CN rail or uh, a railway literally right before the marina. Mm-hmm. Does that not scare you? That, you know what, if it happens once, it could happen again. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, it does make me nervous. I mean, I do believe that a pi- and I've been advocating for for more pipelines because it's the safest way to move oil yeah. and I think we have to be realistic that's not a, a product that's gonna stop being needed in the near future yeah. I and mean, I'm all for trend you know preparing for a different future but for now this is the reality of it and I much prefer it be in pipelines that Trans Mountain actually goes right through the village um, more closer to the highway side um, so we had to have a Trans Mountain legacy project we built the Wabaman Common to help kind of tie our downtown together Anyway, so yes, so the uh, a train and having all those products, and it's a very busy train line um, that we see them go by all the time. So that does make me nervous. And we have had a, there was another derailment a couple of years ago, um, but it was just, it was railway ties of all things that spilled out. Oh, of course. <laughs> so that was a relief when it was pieces of metal, but that was still, you know, took some time to clean up. So... How do you, as mayor and council, advocate for safer transportation? Because you've just told me that there's been an oil spill, mm-hmm. a rail, rail tie spill, in less than 20 years. And I, mm-hmm. I don't want to say it because I don't want to jinx it. It sounds like you're due for another one, potentially yeah. here. Well, so so. There was one just up the road in Gainford, too, and recently. So, you know, so rail, the safety is a concern. And yep. We do have a contact with the SCN, so we have a relationship there. And I think through AUMA and our member associations, we've uh, yeah, advocated for pipelines. Are they and doing enough? Um, <laughs> the, yeah. I was told I don't ask the tough questions, but I'm going to ask that question yeah. because I'm going to ask if the mayor of the mayor of my uh, town that I work for sits down with me, I'll be asking the same question because we had a derailment as well uh-huh. and we have wildfires and I'll be talking about wildfires. But mm-hmm. um, how can we properly ensure that this the, ensure the safety of our mm-hmm. residents and in particular how can you ensure the mm-hmm. safety of Wabamid's residents mm-hmm. I think rail safety is always it's and especially it's been in the news uh, recently too there's been some pretty serious accidents so I think that's always a concern and trying to engage uh, you know keep in, being engaged with CN but there's always it's a, it's a challenging because the railway our communities were built around railways so yep. that's that's where our towns have been built actually Wabaman used to be across the lake when the railway was built they moved the town to be on the railway really you know because you wanted to, and there used to be a train uh, that went from Edmonton to Wabaman for day trips so Wabaman used to be a tourism town and, and it was right on the way to Jasper so yeah it's like and then stuff. we just you know hop, oh. <laughs> hop on the train and uh, and come out to Wabaman for the day 
You'll have to come back in the summer when our museum's open. There's some yes, really fantastic but pictures. you have a train station, like an old train station building in town as well, right? Mm-hmm. It was as seniors. I think they built it to, to look like that. So that's okay. our senior center. Oh, okay. And there's a great little thrift store in there, too. So let's look to the future. I mm. know no one likes to look to the future because you can never tell what's going to happen. Um, like you said, uh, Trans Mountain's coming through. Mm-hmm. It's in Wildman's territory. Um, if that comes through, do you think there's going to be a boom for Wildman? For people moving to the community? Just Trans Mountain? I think the... Well, in pipelines yeah. in general. Oh, okay. Let's, a little out of higher some with, people. Let's start there first, then we'll go into, yeah. do you think there's a boom for Wildman? Yeah, I think they'll, they'll definitely be hiring people as, as they're building the line. They've been doing some work on it as well, um, and they've done a lot of public consultation. I'm so impressed with the technology of that pipeline. And I know they've been doing a little bit of work, and it affects, you know, Edson too, I think has a, you know, lay down yard over there. Yep. So I think it'll definitely keep some people employed. That's temporarily for the building part of it. And the um, and it'll be the E station, so those will have to be maintained. Okay. But those are usually go out. Actually, that's something that my spouse does. So he works at different E stations to maintain that the pumps and the switch gear along there too. Oh, so wow. it's a really quite interesting how they how they work. So what about Wabamin in general? Do you think it's going to grow? I think so. I think we're because you have one subdivision underway, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. and you have we talked before this, and you have some future plans in place. So let's talk about that. And where do you see, like, in the perfect world, how would Mayor Smiley see uh, Wabamin in 2050? Oh, I see Wildman has so much potential. I think we have the opportunity to grow. And I think if you looked, you know, from the outside looking in as probably you have a better perspective than being on the inside sometimes. Yep. So somebody's got to step back and look at it. I, I think just our pr- proximity to Edmonton, uh, we still have large uh, lot sizes. So you can commute if you're living, working in the west end of Edmonton. It's like 35 minutes to get there, especially with on day. So here you can have a big yard, raise your family. I mean, my kids, they say, I'm going to go to the playground. I'm like, okay, are they going to go walk to the library? I mean, I don't know if I, if I lived in the, still lived in the city. Would you if, allow your kids to I do that? Kid, you know, yeah. I, I lived on Connors Road. I'm like, oh, I don't know if I would let them walk to the library. But in town, you know, having that small town living, being able to just let the kids go, they know they know where people live. So they know where the same, if someone gets hurt, they can know who to run to. Okay. And, you know, just to offer that kind of lifestyle, like so, so, just to have that, that lifestyle to offer. And then, you know, just to get out of the, the city for the day and just relax. It's quiet. Uh, you, you could go for a walk to the lake. And Do you think that uh, you will only grow if you can attract more businesses? Because that's the issue mis- municipalities are facing across this mm. uh, province, especially rural municipalities, mm-hmm. is smaller areas don't have the amen- the larger amenities, the, and I, I hate to use the box stores, but Costco, mm-hmm. the Walmarts, that you can't just buy everything in town and go home that night. Mm-hmm. You have to take an hour and a half, go to Stony Plain or go to Edmonton or go to wherever you need to to do your day-to-day <coughs> shopping. Mm-hmm. So 
unless you bring those box chains, those bigger stores to your rural area, you might not see that growth. Do, mm-hmm. you, do you agree with that statement? I, to a certain extent, but I, th- I think it's changing. I you know, and the younger, I think the younger generation too, they're looking more for experiences in the mom and pop shops. You know, whereas, you know, I just read that article that, you know, Tim Hortons is, isn't as popular with the younger people because they want to go to the cute corner coffee shop and have their experience there and not go to the chains. So the ties, and I think, you know, there's definitely a place for that, but people that move to a small town don't move to a small town because they want to go to Costco every week or they want a giant swimming pool down the street. I mean, they know there's some give and take. So you live in a small town and might not have a Costco, but we have this, you know, amazing, like natural beauty that's surrounding us that, you know, we don't have to drive an hour to get out of town to go see a, a deer or a moose or go for a walk down a nature trail. Um, so I think that's, you know, so it's a different market. I think it's a great place to raise a family. So we definitely need, I think we have, a, like, we could always use more businesses for sure, but we need more families and people moving out here to shop on the businesses. And, but we don't have any industrial land available right now. And that's probably the hardest thing um, when it comes to budget time uh, without having any industrial property or industrial businesses um, to help uh, offset because currently it's just small businesses and, and residences that pay uh, ta- our taxes. And the tax base for... Our, our tax base is small. Exactly. So do you rely on Parkland County for that? Do you work with Parkland County? Because I know there's cost-sharing agreements in place mm-hmm. for Parkland County and I'm assuming Parkland County involvement and yeah. because I know other municipalities and their MDs are like that. Um, so uh, looking forward, uh, do you still think being able to attract those businesses or not attract those businesses and increasing residents is going to be a possibility for Wobbling. I think so because we are commutable. I think, and it's been, we do have a good relationship with Parkland County. They've been great neighbors. Um, they're also going through the coal uh, phase out has really affected their bottom line as well. And then you know, as they're transitioning and, you know, in the new, I think we're all still trying to figure out uh, what it means for municipalities with the new provincial budget because that's still rather new. So looking at that funding as well and trying to figure out. So it's going to be an interesting budget time for municipalities this year across the board. But Parkland County, we have a fire a fire a share agreement. So actually, we just signed an MOU with Parkland County as our fire as a fire services are changing. Um, we needed a new facility. So we've already had a, a, a shared service with Parkland County Fire Services for quite some time now. And we needed a new fire hall. And Parkland County is planning on building a new one. So we said signed an agreement with them so they'll be building a new fire hall right in the village of Wabaman and and another interesting sidebar of the coal phase out is our volunteer fire force is made up a a lot mainly with miners and people that work in the coal industry so you volunteer based fire fire department yes but now we have I think three full time firefighters um, in for the village of Wabaman station at Parkland County has a few stations um, precisely just because we just don't have the the volunteer base any longer as people are or as people have left the coal plants um, you know they've got to work up north or their families have moved we have a few families that had moved uh, down to, to BC there's some mining down there as well uh, l- looking from a resident's perspective mm-hmm. what's the biggest issue that's going to face Wobbeman residents in the next 20 years 
10 years, five years. Hmm. I think it's the way municipalities are changing. I know you've had a little bit of time in, in politics as well, <laughs> yep. too. So I, I think the pressures on municipalities and, and you look across Canada, what's happening to municipalities and how how they're running. So I think in the last few years, we've been working, moving more towards regional thinking instead of just being a, a bunch of different silos operating and overlapping services. So I think the first step is to start working as a region and having cost-sharing agreements. But I think moving forward, if, if you look at the way uh, other provinces go and what happens to other municipalities, um, that is just becoming more of a region. Has there, and, uh, has there ever been talk of amalgamation? Yes. Oh, really? <laughs> Funny you should ask me that. <laughs> I honestly was just throwing that out there as a... Because cost-sharing, and one big thing that to uh, save on cost is to amalgamate, so let's talk mm. about amalgamation. Yeah. <laughs> so it's really quite interesting. I, I think when I was first entered politics, I thought, there's no way. Like, that's crazy. And I think after my time, you know, as you know, I was a member of the Alberta Urban Municipalities Association, and, and actually I sat on um, some viability review teams. I chaired the small communities committee so through that experience and talking to you know like large urban centers like cities and a lot of small villages and then looking at the changes to the MGA there's a lot more that's required and I just look at the other small municipalities there's so many things that small towns are trying to do with a handful of staff and we, a lot of us just the capacity it's getting difficult to keep up with all the changes and all the expectations um, to do things properly and to do them well and I think that it's wise to explore all the options open to you like I always think of where I want to see Wabamin in 30 years from now and how do I get Wabamin how do I how do I get Wabamin from point A to point B like what's the best way to grow the community and so I think it's a good idea um, to explore the options like there is a process there's a couple of different processes in place that are available to us the municipal fairs actually came to a council meeting and explained the viability review process and an amalgamation um, which I found really interesting that there's no current amalgamations going on in the province right now officially um, and but I know there's some unofficial conversations going out throughout the province and I think there's probably a lot of small towns thinking about looking okay, that way you know and I think it doesn't hurt to get the information I mean, you're not committed. So actually, that's what I had to check with ICO. So I just uh, I just received a letter. I had a meeting with the Minister of Municipal Affairs a couple weeks ago. And so we met, and uh, I was just awaiting the correspondence. And then to put it on an agenda, but we're right in the middle of, of council meetings. Yeah. So I thought, well, so council decided that we would put it out as a press release. That's just being released today. Okay. Um, so the minister has called to have for Wabaman to have a viability review. So, and uh, in an expedited fashion. So it'll still take uh, a year or 18 months. So it'll be interesting. And I, as we were, this has been in conversation for a while. It came up during strategic planning that we were doing in the spring and summer. So I knew that the residents had an appetite. I actually made a notice of motion at the end of the summer uh, to, for council to consider asking for a viability review. Um, then I did have a resident, uh, like there was a resident petition that wasn't valid. It was about changing a motion. But regardless, I kind of understand the intent behind. Uh, so, so 
furthest people who don't know, and I have an idea, but mm-hmm. not fully. Viability review basically means municipal affairs comes in, sees that is uh, the town of Wildman viable to, for the future or what? Mm. Well, they come in. Well, the first step is to do an infrastructure audit, okay. which is something I really wanted to do, and I think they, it was beneficial to the village and the county. Um, let's look at what our infrastructure deficit looks like, and then you know exactly what you're dealing with. I mean, do we have to fix our sewer outfall pipe that's 60 years old? Do we have to look at changing it in two years? Or do we have another 20 years on it? Um, So it really gives us a clear picture of what our infrastructure is. We've done a few smaller infrastructure audits, but this will be a really thorough one. Then Municipal Affairs starts putting together the report and, you know, they they talk to the county and then they talk to the village. So we work really closely with them. And often they do strike a viability review team because it's expedited, just municipal affairs. We're working on this, uh, the report with the county and the village and with the member associations like AUMA and RMA and the administrators associations will give some feedback, have an opportunity to give feedback on the report. And the report essentially will say, this is what a village would look like and this is what a hamlet would look like. And then we do like a public consultation. The public's involved every step of the way. And at the end of the process, the public, or almost the end of the process, um, all the residents uh, get a vote. And they vote on staying a village or hamlet, essentially. And then it goes to the minister for the final decision. Wow. So it's still... I think I'm guessing at least 12 months, especially we're doing an infrastructure audit starting in the in the winter time. Yeah. And as municipal affairs puts the report together, and so I think it's I think some people think well, let's we should join the county because it means lower taxes. Well, there's a whole lot of other things to consider. Yeah. Um, I know the counties, all municipalities should be practicing full cost recovery on utilities, which means water and sewer probably wouldn't change. And then counties have a different way of doing business at times. Some of them don't do garbage removal. So those are questions you have, like what happens to the residents free park pass at Waterfront Park? Yeah. You know, is that... removal, is it going to be the same service level? Exactly. The service levels is the big thing. Service levels, yeah. Yeah. Um, So... Like, so I just want, I want the residents to have all the information in front of them. Yeah. And then make an educated... um, Do you want to go on the record right now saying which one would you prefer? You know, I kind of look at both sides. Of it. I think I, I think it's good to look, you know, because I think I have a few ideas of, of what like would be helpful. I think just because it's it's difficult for small municipalities. And when I was in Manitoba a few years ago, and it was shortly after they had a government that came in, an NDP government that came in, and I think it was all municipalities under two thousand uh, were forced to dissolve. I mean, they just the government, the provincial government, made that decision. And I was in Gimli, which is another awesome little town. I yep. just love that place. And I was, because I really need a better hobby, um, asking, we went out for, to watch a band, and, you know, we had a few drinks, and so I was asking them, like, so what do you think, like, how do you feel about, like, being a part of the county? They, they didn't even notice. Like, no one noticed it didn't change anything. They were still Gimli. They didn't really think of that they were part of a larger municipality. They still had their their distinct... Own identity. Yeah. And I think Wobbleman will always be a strong community with its own identity, whether it's a, a hamlet or a, you know, or, or a red village. Yeah. I mean, I think... I would have liked to see the village grow, um, um, but, you know, we just don't have the capacity to... No, understandable. Um, last set of questions. Mm-hmm. The future of 
Mayor Smiley. Hmm. You've been on council one term. You've been on. You've been reelected. Yeah, so two terms. So this six you'll years. be ending on your two terms for almost seven years, eight years. Yeah. Uh, in 2021, does the future still hold another reelection for you, or have you thought that far ahead? Yeah, I've been thinking about it a little bit uh, before this. Uh, I. I I've had a, an interesting, I've done a little bit of everything. So yeah. before I, we started our family, I was an electrician. And before that, I worked in administration for a long time, spent a lot of time waitressing while I went to college and studied like electronics engineering and psychology and philosophy and women's studies. So I, I don't know. You don't know what the future holds. <laughs> I would probably do something a little different. A part of me really misses construction. And so I wouldn't mind getting back into either safety or construction. I don't think I'm really interested in wearing tools anymore. I'm getting a little older and going up and down those stairs don't seem interesting. <laughs> at the beginning of the pod, uh, at the beginning of the interview, you did say um, you like municipal politics because that it's not party affiliated. Mm-hmm. Natural progression for any politician yeah. is to always move up, <laughs> councillor to mayor to MLA to MP yeah. to prime minister. <laughs> You know, I've, and I've thought about that a few times. You know, I've considered that of what I want to do next because I do enjoy governance. And yeah. now I've, I've been learning so much and have really caught on. And, you know, the, I really like the external boards and committees that I serve on um, outside of the village. So I would still like to maybe continue on uh, serving on boards. But I have a hard time hitching my wagon to a party. <laughs> so a part of me is curious, but honestly, it's it's so toxic and hyper partisan right now I don't I don't think it's healthy and I don't find I think it would be a lot better if I saw you know everyone sitting down and coming up with like the best solution other than just this hyper partisanship because it either has to be like left or right to like you know there's a middle and the best decision will be in the middle somewhere yeah. so I'd like to see if once if it ever happens if people start coming back to the middle and just having like a good debate without the mudslinging I think it's, I think just politics lately has been, I know that the last couple elections have been a little nasty. Federally and provincially. <laughs> yes. Um, so, uh, what advice would you give your former self or a young woman, a young man thinking about getting into politics? Hmm. Um, about getting into politics. Yeah, just uh, try to keep, make sure that you still leave some time for yourself and uh, some private time and family time. Because it's really easy to get all wrapped up in what you're doing and the learning and the networking. And and because uh, I've always jumped into everything with two feet, whether that was, you know, working retail when I was going to college or, or you know, working as an electrician, I always like took on more and did as much and try to learn as much as I could while I was there, which I think is a positive thing, but always to make sure you take some time out for yourself Yeah. and, uh, and just hire a housekeeper because <laughs> yeah, it's impossible to keep up. <laughs> Do you uh, look back and regret the, where you've gotten to today? Is there anything that you say, you know what? I wish I would have done that better. Uh, you know what? I wish I made that decision for Wobberman better. I wish I would have thought a little bit more in depth about this mm. issue. There's times I try not to have any regrets, but I think the only time I've really felt that is when 
um, a decision was rushed and we didn't have enough information. So just a couple of times I would have wished I would have said, let's wait and get more information and think about this. Um, and, you know, I think that's more of a learning curve, too. So you want to give an answer right away. You want to make a decision right away. But those decisions usually we end up changing a little while later anyway or bring yeah. it back. Like, you know, maybe that wasn't that's such what a good amendments idea. Are for. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I think some policies... Um, as well too like yeah, sometimes you have to try them out to see if this works and then you know revisit it okay. you know we might have to we'll be revisiting our want to bring the, the vendor bylaw forward because it seemed to be going really well wasn't getting much of complaints so this year I heard that our rates were a little high so it's like, maybe it's time to revisit that because of that scaring away vendors then we don't want that one of the big issues that uh, I spoke to two mayors about was the their boulevard bylaw they're having major issues with boulevard bylaws of what can and can't go into the, the boulevard oh. <laughs> and, and that big giant O that you just made makes yeah. me think that you've had that issue as uh, well that does happen and, uh, and I think sometimes you just have to separate that um, but I always say and you know I think it helps when you say this to some residents too and be like what if everybody did it yeah. like because I can't if just because if I say that you can do that that means I have to tell everybody that they can do that so imagine if everybody did that what would it look like you know if we let everybody put whatever they want wherever yeah. they want it. yeah and then the maintenance issue like it's really it's you're in charge of taking care of your own boulevard but then there's maintenance issues under there so if public works has to get into a cc and you have like a pile of rocks on there or something, um yeah that might not be so good no uh last question sum up your time in government Hmm. Was it good? Has it been fun? Has it been interesting? Is it what you expected? Yeah, it's not what I expected at all, um, but very interesting. It's always it's always been a new thing, um, and there's you can never get bored. There's always something new going on, and you know, just even with committee appointments. I mean, there's you know, you're thinking about senior housing or FCSS services, and um, I'm assuming you have MPC SDAB as well here. Um, yeah, we have a, an SDAB board. There's a region that works together okay. for SDAB. Board. Um, I, part of me misses uh, the committee work that I did more so when I was a counselor because when you're on the mayor, you're doing a lot more external yeah. work. But I do like that part the advocacy to the provincial government and the federal government and, and working with AUMA and the member associations. So I don't regret it. I think I've really enjoyed it. Uh, and that's, and I spend a lot of time chatting with like other mayors. We have a nice, a really good network of people that work together and bounce ideas off of and vent to each other if we've had a rough day. <laughs> well, as long as you can vent to someone at the end of the day, that's yeah. all that matters. Um, I will leave it at that. I want to thank you very much for doing this. Uh, I know we, we have, we, we are going to a museum and getting fudge. If I'm, no, mm-hmm. not oh, a museum, the art, the art gallery, art gallery yes. getting fudge here. So thank you very much for doing this. Yeah, well, thanks for coming to visit. I enjoyed it. Hey, no problem. And once again, thank you to our wonderful guest today. And I want to take this moment to thank you, the listener. Without you, the listener, we wouldn't be able to do this podcast. So, thank you. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on one of the many outlets that host our podcast, including Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. While there, don't forget to give us some feedback and subscribe. 
Also, if you haven't already, be sure to follow us on Facebook at Cross Border Interview Podcast and on Twitter at Cross Border P-O-D, all one word, and on Instagram at Cross Border Podcast. This podcast was created and produced by Miranda Brown and Associates Incorporated. For the Cross Border Interview Podcast, enjoy the rest of your week and we'll be back here again next week with a brand new episode of the Cross Border Interview Podcast. Thank you.